What is good, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Injured Reserve Podcast with your host, me, myself, and I, Mitchell Anderson. Let's jump right into it. So evidently, as this week progresses and goes by, I'm seeing more reports and reports of somehow, some way, some shape or form, good God almighty, why do they think, why do Laker fans think like they won free agency? I don't get it. I get it. Y'all got AD in like a trade though. That was a trade. Y'all got rid of the overrated ball. I'll give you that one. He's going to be a bust to be in the G League. He'll be pitter patter. He'll be gone. Poochies. He's jank. He's got to go to the G League and prove on a shooting percentage. That's a thing of the past. So, with that being said, they got AD and that's it. Like, y'all, like, I don't get why I elaborated on this before. And I just don't get it. Like, <laughs> there, you guys got nobody. Looking at that roster, I don't see a threat. Like, oh, we're going to the ship, really? It's like how how trash has your team got to be when you're trying to convince yourself that guys like Danny Green and Rajon Rondo are some of the pivotal pieces to lead you to the promised land. I get it if it was Rajon Rondo four, five years ago, then I'd be like, okay, you know, y'all have a shot, but he's past his prime now. If it was DeMarcus Cousins, pre-tear of the Achilles, if he was in his prime, then I'd be like, okay, you got him and AD both in their prime, you know, got the defense down low, the Twin Towers, the two big men, got you. But DeMarcus Cousins, he's not, you know, he went to Golden State. We all knew. It was like, is he going to be the same? And of course he wasn't. Like I said, at best, he'll get you 16 and 8. That's not bad. But, you know, (laughs) it's not into something like, you know, ooh and ah about. Anthony Davis, yeah. He'll he'll get you probably the season 22 and 10, 12, whatever. But he's not going to play out the whole season. In the Western Conference, we all know. That you miss 10, 15, 20 games, that's huge. Like I said, I stand by what I said. Lakers, seventh seed, sixth seed at best, first round, one and done, that's it. LeBron James, had this could be his final prime year, and then he'll start to dwindle down. Then he's got to take that, you know, that lower role of, you know, kind of like what Dwayne Wade did and a couple other players. You know, you got to accept the role that you're not that pitiful, pivotal superstar. It's got to go down to Anthony Davis probably next season or whoever they decide to pick up. Either way, you know, in the wise words of Cardi B, they got to make some money moves. Simple as that. I mean, Rajon Rondo, Danny Green, it's, if it's Rondo... Four or five years ago, I'd be like, I got you. Rondo, That during that era, during his career at that point, you know, 10 points, 10 assists, cool. Not too shabby. Now it's like, eh, come on now. You're really trying to make an argument that he's going to make a big difference on that roster? Come on now. We don't know that's not the Rondo of Boston. Then Danny Green, seriously, he's trying to make a case for Danny Green. Stop it. And now you got LeBron James, your go-to, your guy. Father time is undefeated, and he turns, what, 34, 35 next season? Listen, Laker Nation, it's okay. Y'all make the playoffs. Good for you. You know, you guys missed the playoffs a couple back-to-back seasons or so, give or take. You guys are going to bounce back. Cool. But if I were you... This whole combo of LeBron, AD, and DeMarcus Cousins, that's not the key. That's not, you know, those aren't the elements that's going to lead you to the ship. Those three aren't going to lead you to the promised land. You need to start looking younger. Start looking bolder. Start being wiser. That Kawhi thing, when he signed with the Clippers, not only was it stealthy, sneaky, and a silent assassin move, 
It was pure genius on his end and, and on his camp. Low key in the shadows, be quiet. Hey, Paul, we're going to LA, but we'll go to Clippers. I know you're stuck in OK City. We'll get you there. Don't worry. We're going to get a trade done. And around 2 a.m., around July 6th, hey, <laughs> you know, see uh, me, I couldn't sleep, and I see, you know, Paul George traded to the Clippers. I'm like, wait, what? And then I scroll down some more. Kawhi Leonard signs with the Clippers official. See, I don't think the Lakers fans realize is that Kawhi Leonard signing with with them, that 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 killed the Lakers. Cause Kawhi, he he was not only their key counterpart to rely on when it came to scoring, he was their guy for the future. And Kawhi, you know, he's going to be the future for the L.A. Clippers franchise. And LeBron, I mean, he's not going to be the future for much longer. A year, a prime, and then after that, it started to dwindle down after that. So they got to start looking for more, you know, again, they don't have any shooters. They had Brandon Ingram, B.I., he was was top five in the team last season in shooting percentage. He's gone. Kyle Kuzma, not too shabby. He'll be all right. So you got, y'all still got him. The question is, will he still remain on the roster come this season? Because my first early preseason assumptions is that y'all are going to start making some trades here and there. Because I think, honestly, on paper, it doesn't look... It's, it's okay, but it's not great. And I think, honestly, the Lakers are going to struggle a little bit. So I think they gotta start making some moves. They don't have a lot of shooters. They got the you know they got the two big men down below and AD and Cousins. So the defense will be a little bit better compared to next, last season, but still won't be as dangerous. It won't be that big of a threat. They still gotta work out some kinks. The blueprint is still it still hasn't been solved. Like I said, you know, as <clears throat> yesterday's podcast, AD will miss about 15 to 20 games. LeBron will miss about 15 to 20. Unless he can go, quote-unquote, full playoff mode the entire next season. And he does have offseason. He has been rested. Kudos to him. But full 82, 82 games at the age of 34, 35, wherever. You know, somewhere around that age area. He's entering his mid-30s. Good luck. Especially in the Western Conference. Even, even if he does play that whole season, who's saying how he's going to be able to, you know, carry that team? And I already see the excuses. I'm already bringing this up because LeBron, the hardcore LeBron James fans base is full out dedicated to him. They are stirring a convolution of, you know, these excuses and ideas as to why the Lakers are going to struggle and why they're not going to win a championship next season. So I want that same type of energy around this time come May on why they fell short the championship. All the Laker fans saying how they're going to make the title. They're going to they're gonna have a shot, this and that. Don't give me that Mickey Mouse bowl jive excuses. Oh, so-and-so was hurt. Oh, we didn't have enough help. Y'all saying how much hype you have in Rajon Rondo, Danny Green, Kyle Kuzma, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, DeMarcus Cousins. I want that same type of energy come May when y'all make a first early round playoff exit in the first round. Because <laughs> I know, I've, I've seen this way too many times now. Because what the LeBron James, the hardcore fan base does, is they start getting ideas and excuses come around this time in the offseason. All right, let's look at his roster. Let's see who he has. Okay, he's got some solid players here and there. Well, if he falls short next season, we're going to use the typical he doesn't have any help card again. And it just it gets old after a while. It's been overused for the past 15, 16 years. <laughs> I've been trying to make this case on how he's had help in the past. I mean, look, he, he's had solid help. In Cleveland, he had an Antoine Jameson, who's a two-time All-Star and a six-man of the year, averaging 18-8-4. and four. That was his Scottie Pippen. You don't believe me? Look it up yourself. Antoine Jameson was that dude. They picked him up for a reason in Cleveland to help LeBron James. It was only for two seasons. 
And eventually, LeBron ended up leaving and left Antoine Jameson alone. <laughs> they got the man for him to help. But unfortunately, you know, LeBron, obviously yesterday was the anniversary that he decided to take his talents down to South Beach and the rest is history. So, and they, tried, and they had solid point guards. I'm not saying they were the best in the world. But, you know, not everyone had a pivotal point guard in their career. You look at Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant, <coughs> they didn't have that, you know. Derek Fisher, he was, you know, solid, but he wasn't like an all, he wasn't like, you know, he was just a role player. Same thing with LeBron James with Larry Hughes or Mo Williams. Larry Hughes, you know, known to be a solid defenseman, all team defense, uh, all defensive first team. Steel's leader, Steel's champion, Mo Williams, all-star. <clears throat> uh, Big Zeke spent majority of his career in Cleveland. Two, three-time all-star, big man. He'll get you the double-double. But either way, I mean, <sighs> LeBron James' hardcore fan base is just... I've seen it before, and it just, it never dies. It never, it just, man, there's something else. <laughs> but it is what it is. You know, like I said, I just want that same type of energy come uh, next May. Because um, when they do that first round exit, it's going to be the same typical excuse. Does it have any help? And it just gets old after a while. That's all. Oh, man. But either way, more of the story of this free agency. Kawhi Leonard is a silent assassin. And um, I don't see how people have thought he did it as a dirty move. It wasn't a dirty move. It's just business. He just waited and waited. That's all. He took his time, considered his options. But with that being said, I'm going to take a quick little break, and you are, are listening to End Reserve Podcast. Welcome back to Injured Reserve Podcast. So recently, Damian Lillard came out, uh, one of my favorite players to watch. Um, one of the conferences, post-conference, wherever you want to call it. Um, him stating that, you know, he would never go out and start recruiting people. He wants to do his own thing. Basically, in essence, what Damian Lillard said was he has this 80s, 90s mentality of, it's my team, and I'm going to lead my team, and that's it. Fair enough. I like it. You know, that's how it should be, but that's not the case. So, one of the things that's, you know, you know what's, uh, how, can, how should I say this? You know what's interesting about sports nowadays is that you notice how things start to become, things, you know, have this rift of changing. There's a current on how things some particular players play nowadays, whether the position has elevated this and that. It's like uh, college football. Not every player is going to stay all four, year, four years now. Some will be there for two, three years, and that's it. You know what I mean? Some uh, players, um, you know, at the quarterback position are more, a little bit more advanced. Uh prone to be more scrambling, not so much rumbling or uh, running, but scrambling out of the pocket and be able to make the run on the throw, which was kind of like an impressive thing 10, 15 years ago, but now it's becoming more of a common thing. It's more of what scouts are looking for nowadays. So the problem lies is that these players, um, 
You know, guys like Damian Lillard, as much as I like the guy and I like his mindset, he needs to realize like that that, that NBA is, has long gone. It's long past, you know. The Bulls, you got Michael Jordan. Uh, the Lakers, you got Magic Johnson. Boston Celtics, you got Larry Bird. New York Knicks, you got Patrick Ewing. Phoenix Suns, you got Charles Barkley. Um, Houston Rockets, you got Hakeem Olajuwon. So the list goes on and on. You know, that one team has that one superstar. You're our go-to guy, and that's it, right? Nowadays, it's, hey, it's the era of the super team. Free agency. Let's see who joins with who. And sometimes that's not always the case. Like, this season, it wasn't so much the case. It was just, you know, I mean, it's two all-stars team up with one another. So, so it wasn't a quote-unquote big three, unlike we've seen in the past with, you know, it all started with the trend of the Boston Celtics, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, then uh, the Miami Heat, which was originally kind of, I call it that Miami Heat, the original Golden State, considering the fact that they were in their prime. Boston Celtics, KG, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, they were way past their prime. They were still solid, but they weren't putting up, you know, KG wasn't putting up 25 and 10, putting up that MVP performance like he did in Minnesota. At least Miami Heat, uh, LeBron James, Chris, Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade, they were the original Golden State Warriors. Whether people want to admit it or not, they were. Uh, and then eventually grabbing Ray Allen. Granted, yes, he was out of his prime, but still he was averaging about 10-12 coming off the bench. And still lethal from the three, nonetheless. And still leads the all-time record in three points, uh, three-pointers made. So you got that, and plus you got a, a lot of pivotal role players that they end up give, getting in Mario Chalmers and Shane Battier. So, either way, uh, then it, it then it obviously became Golden State, and so on and so forth. You know what I mean? So, the thing is, Damian needs to realize, if he was given an offer, like, hey, Kawhi Leonard wants to come to Portland, you know you're not going to turn that down. So, I like his mindset, but it's just, it's the way things are nowadays. What I don't like is this era of super teams is that how can you be part of a big three super team and be considered part of the GOAT discussion? Because, you know, the greatest of all time discussion, it's okay to have, you know, another superstar with you because, you know, not everyone has done it by themselves. It's okay to have, you know, that one Batman and Robin combo. Everyone has one. Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, um, Larry Bird, Robert Parrish, Kevin McHale, um, Patrick Ewing, Ron Starks. You know, the list goes on and on. There's always that one superstar and then the one star below them. You got the captain and the lieutenant. So, and for the early days, people don't want to admit it. LeBron James had a superstar. And I, I continue to say this, and people continue to laugh, but they, but they don't want to look at the stats. They always want to bring up the stats when it comes to LeBron James, Michael Jordan comparison on who puts up the more, you know, who's going to have the more points and the blocks and the assists and the, and the more games and the averages, this and that, and the more triple-doubles, this and that. But they fail to look at the stats of his supporting cast compared to Scottie Pippen. Antoine Jameson averaged more points and rebounds compared to Scottie Pippen. Two-time All-Star, sixth man of the year. He was this go-to guy in Cleveland. And he just couldn't, he couldn't get it done. You know, so it is what it is. That 2009 should have been the year of LeBron James versus Kobe Bryant. Instead, it was the Orlando Magic and against the Los Angeles Lakers. And the Lakers won in five. And which, you know, obviously that's when um, I think that was the year that LeBron left, maybe the year after that. But them losing to Orlando Magic to, you know, Dwight Howard, in which Cleveland had a better roster in that series, but they just couldn't get it done. It, they, they were, Dwight Howard was their go-to guy, and he led them over LeBron James. 
I mean, they had a role player in Hito Turkoglu, but that was it. Rashad Lewis, he wasn't too shabby. But either way, I don't like this whole GOAT discussion nowadays because it's dead. And again, to reiterate the whole LeBron James fan base, the hardcore fan base, they need to stop. Stop with the discussion. It's been dead and over with. It's like beating a dead horse. You're not going to get through with me on this. Yes, he has the stats. Yes, he has the points, this, the rebounds, the assists, this and that. Look at the level of talent he has played with. And people like to go and compare like you know the different eras. Yes. The wise words of Shaquille O'Neal when they were trying to make a comparison of Golden State Warriors against the Bulls, you know, on who would win in the seven game series between the 72 Bulls and 73 Golden State. And I can't remember the dude's name, and probably for good reason, because he's probably not even on ESPN first take anymore. But he had to blaspheme and say that Golden State would beat them in their own era. Even Shaq said, it's like, what era are we playing in? The big boy era or the cupcake era? We can knock and down and push people around, hand check, this and that. You go down, you go down to the hole, you know, you get with a few, you get away with a few layups here and there, start lighting them up. You know, there's even a story of Carl Malone, uh, him, his Utah Jazz facing the Detroit Pistons. Isaiah Thomas was lighting them up, driving down the hole, this and that. Eventually, Carl Malone was like, you know what? Enough this Mickey Mouse bull jive. And hey, <laughs> clothesline. Like a, you know, like a uh, Bradshaw from the APA and WWE. You know, it's just a warning. Back then, it was just a, it was just a foul. It wasn't a technical foul. It wasn't no... Ain't, you know, it wasn't throwing out the game, wasn't no suspension, he didn't get fined, he'd have to write a 10-page essay on why he did it and submit it to Adam Silver or whoever. <laughs> but nowadays, it's, you know, it's a soft era. <laughs> and people like to make the case, oh, this era's more advanced. Yeah, no kidding, because there's no defense. The average score is 127 to 120. <laughs> have you seen the defense? It's boring. People know, nobody tries to get a rebound. Everyone just stands there. Wait till the ball gets down and see who's closest to it and grabs it. And that's not taking anything away from Russell Westbrook and his, you know, three consecutive seasons of averaging a triple-double. But that shows you how, e- how easy it is nowadays. So, you're telling me Russell Westbrook will average a triple-double during the 80s and 90s? Highly doubt it. Yes, he, he has that, you know, that Duracell... You know, nonstop energy, driving up and down the court, give you 100%. And I even stated, I think Russell Westbrook could last during that era. But if you're telling me he's going to drive down the hole every time, uh uh-uh, he's going to get his ass kicked. Try that with a Bill Lambeer or Patrick Ewing or Kevin McHale. He's going to get laid on his ass. So, the whole GOAT discussion nowadays, it's a dead thing. Stop it. Yes, LeBron is going to put up those stats. Cool. Guess what? Eventually, LeBron's going to get pat. He's going to pass everyone with those points. An all-time leader, this and that. But guess what? There's going to be someone else that's eventually going to pass him too. And if he comes back the same as we known him for, it'd probably be Kevin Durant. He's going to lose a year. But if he comes back as the same player, in which... There's a high possibility that he can because he's still young. He's only 30, 31. He can come back stronger than ever. He'll be fine. And he can still average out for probably the next four or five seasons, averaging 22, 25 a game if he comes back that same player. But before that Achilles injury, he, he was on pace to pass LeBron James and everyone else in points. Nobody considers him the GOAT. Why not? Oh, he made the weakest move going to Golden State. Okay. LeBron James did this similar thing to Miami Heat. It's like, oh, yeah, but go- Kevin Durant, they were up 3-1 to go in Sco- Golden State. They went 73-9. and Okay. Miami Heat made the playoffs the year, bef- year prior. <laughs> Doesn't mean go- Golden State didn't win at all. They just ended up grabbing Kevin Durant. He's free agency. He's his own man. He can do whatever he wants. Same thing with LeBron James. 
LeBron decided to team up with, you know, Dwayne Wade. And then Chris Bosh joined him. Why didn't anyone consider Chris Bosh doing a weak, weak move like that? He was their go-to guy in Toronto. He was averaging a 20 and 10. It's just, you know, it's just a, you know, it's just a different era. That's it. There was nothing. People won't consider Kevin Durant's titles legitimate. And then I want that same type of energy for LeBron James. You have <laughs> LeBron play with three future Hall of Famers eventually in Miami. Ray Allen, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh. <laughs> I mean, and you only win two out of four NBA Finals in which that team is the top five greatest teams of all time. How do you only win two Finals making it four consecutive seasons? Might I add... Losing it to aging Spurs. To a 35-year-old Tim Duncan. Had Tony Parker, Manu, all those guys way past their prime. And they're still, they were still able to get the job done back in 2014. So, either way, as I said before, LeBron James, he's, you know, hey, he's a hell of a player. Phenomenal career. Top 10 Probably top five. I have in my top ten. I have a few players that I'll put ahead of them. You know. But, man. It's just. It's the era of the super team. It's not taking anything away from him. It's just you got to look at the level of talent he has played with. Michael Jordan. You know. Scottie Pippen. And Dennis Rodman. And a few role players. John Paxson. Tony Kukoc. Steve Kerr, that was it. Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal, Paul Gasol, a few role players, Lamar Odom, Ron Artest, you know, Derek Fisher, Rick Fox, Robert Ory. Or excuse me, no, Robert Ory was San Antonio, not Robert Ory. But uh, Glenn Rice. And then LeBron James, beginning his era, you know, that he they started out started him out with uh, Big Zeke, Zasko Agalskis, two time All Star, <clears throat> then eventually grab Antoine Jameson, two time All Star, six Man of the Year. Few role players: Mo Williams, Larry Hughes was averaging twenty twenty two a game prior to signing to Cleveland when he was averaging uh, twenty twenty two in Washington. Signed to Cleveland. But it's just playing with LeBron is different. Not saying it's difficult, but not everyone is going to get, you know. It's just the players revolve around him, you know, so. And then, so he has a few role players, Mo Williams, Larry Hughes, Anderson Verjao. Eventually leaves, goes to Miami, Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade. Ray Allen, three Hall of Famers right there. Role players, Mario Chalmers, Shane Battier. Then goes back to Cleveland, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love. <clears throat> Role players, J.R. Smith, Tristan Thompson. All by which LeBron wanted them to stay. And now <laughs> he's in the La- you know, he's in the Lakers. And again, I mean the supporting cast for him is just insane. So to consider him being part of the GOAT discussion, that's long gone, it's dead, it's over with. Whether they want to believe it or not, LeBron James fans, it's okay. <laughs> Top 10 all-time, most definitely. Top 5, probably eventually he'll get there with all the stats and accomplishments that he'll get there. Probably 5 or 4, but nonetheless, people are got, I, I'm going to remember LeBron James for you know the big three in Miami. Most definitely. <laughs> People are... I, I just... I don't know. Three and six in the finals? Come on now. It's like, dude, he made nine finals. It's like, yeah. Look how, how much help he's had. You give Michael Jordan that much help? Trust me. There's a there's a 90% significant chance that he's going to go undefeated with the, that kind of roster. <clears throat> 
People think I'm delusional with that. It's not. How are you delude? <laughs> you you get all those players significantly better than Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman. Rodman could not score with a damn. He'll get you the boards. He'll play the defense, but that was it. <clears throat> so either way, I mean, the goat discussion nowadays is the dead thing. Um, if you want to even be part of the goat discussion, that's fine. But I feel like the minimum has to be you got to have at least like one, one star player below you to have that support. It's got to be one superstar, then one star below you. You know, that's just the typical standard. But nowadays, it's like two or three all-stars on one team. It's like, all right, that's not even fair. So, <sighs> but with that being said, I'm going to take a quick little break. And y'all are listening to the Injured Reserve Podcast. One of the things that I failed to elaborate on before, um, you know, the whole fiasco about Oklahoma City and Russell Westbrook, and I should have elaborated on this because I feel bad that I didn't. Uh, I know I've said before that Russell Westbrook is one of my all-time favorite players or one of my favorite players to watch, especially in this era. Um, him, what I, what I don't, you know what's phenomenal nowadays is that you know, social media and media in general, whether articles to Facebook to Instagram to Twitter to YouTube to whatever it may be nowadays, right? It's amazing how it can kind of convolute some, you know, one limited agenda on that particular person or subject or whatever it may be. And we just automatically are just going to assume that's what happened instead of doing our own research nowadays, right? Um, that seems to be kind of like the popular trend now, because every time you see an article, you kind of got to question it, right? You got to do the research yourself and see if it's actually accurate or not. And with Russell Westbrook, I, one of the narratives that I hate is people think, you know, um, James Harden or Kevin Durant left because they couldn't play with Russell Westbrook. That couldn't be further from the truth. Personally, from me, I think, you know, at Granite, yes, he, you know, he goes balls to the wall and sometimes he gets that tunnel vision. It's not all the ways 100% his, you know, his fault. It's a team effort at the end of the day. So KD and James Harden, you know, whatever KD said or whoever, you know, there was supposedly rumors that KD said this about, you know, you just can't play with uh, Russell Westbrook. Truth be told, that's not always the case. You know what I mean? So, can he be somewhat difficult? Yes. But truth be told, Russell Westbrook is one of the most loyal players you'll get. And I think, you know, the way they're handling things nowadays in Oklahoma City, and I hope the fan base realizes this, is that they're, they're doing a terrible job managing this scenario. Because they need to realize is that when James Harden wanted out, Russell Westbrook stayed. When KD left, Russell Westbrook stayed. So, <laughs> now despite them, you know, not having any titles, um, three consecutive seasons of making the playoffs and not getting out of the first round, you know, <clears throat> he's still loyal. He still put fans in the seats. Nonetheless, he still gave y'all. Uh, you know, a high positive reinforcement and revenue. So I don't think it's always, you know, it wasn't a hundred percent his fault. Of course not. So in a, anyone else that says otherwise, you know, Hey, you know what? Kick rocks. Cause Russell Westbrook will give you a hundred percent every single game and guys like KD or James Harden, you know, sometimes you know, things just kind of fall out sometimes. And whatever happens in the locker room, who knows? I couldn't tell you. But nonetheless, 
you, having convoluting this in this this favoritism of this agenda of blaming it on Russ Westbrook that players can't play with him, you know that that's not that that could be further away from the truth. Guys like Stephen Jackson out of the San Antonio Spurs, you know they were up what two three one a couple years ago when they had Katie and James Harden back in 2012. And they came back and won three straight and won that series <clears throat> in the conference championship to advance to their first finals. Kate, a young KD, a young Westbrook, and a young Harden. Ooh, excuse me. Um, so they showed that, you know, they showed glimpses that they are capable as, as of playing as a team. It's just, you know, sometimes... It's you know they don't you don't have the right coach or the right uh, gen, general manager to handle these these type of high power caliber players. You know what I mean? A lot, you know a lot of charisma, a lot of high egos. It's, it's hard to juggle. That's why sometimes you know it, it takes it takes a good coach like you know of uh, Greg Popovich to be able to handle. That, that type of uh, attitude amongst all-star players when he had a Tim Duncan, a David Robinson, uh, Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, you know, players like that. It's one thing to be a good coach, but it takes a great coach to handle that type of talent and be able to maintain and keep them humbled and keep that positive uh, morale going season after season after season. So I don't think, personally, it's 100% his fault. Of course not. Anyone that thinks otherwise, that's just straight up blasphemous. So either way, you know, Westbrook, uh, I feel bad for the guy because they're doing, the way things are revealing right now is making him look bad and making his stock look kind of iffy. And I hope other GMs of other teams do their uh, do the research and <clears throat> he he you know hopefully he gets traded to a solid team hopefully Detroit I think that'd be a solid destination for him nonetheless but with that being said I'm gonna take a little break and you are listening to injured reserve podcast Welcome back to Injured Reserve Podcast for your host, me, myself, and I, Mitchell Anderson. So less than 50 days away, thank God. I think it's a little bit less than that, less than 45, give or take. But either way, somewhere around that area. Uh, college football, it's going to make its return, thank God. Um, you know, <laughs> truth be told, it's football season for me from the time kickoff starts for college all the way up until February, the end of the Super Bowl. Then I really don't pay that much attention to basketball. For a little bit, I do, but not until pretty much, obviously, the end of February. That being said, not to get too uh, distracted, preseason rankings, top 25, the typical, you know, Clemson number one, Bama number two, I think. Uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes, they're, they're number three, uh, rightfully so. Georgia up there as well. Surprisingly enough, uh, for those who follow and listen to my podcast before in the past, not only have I been very uh, heavily critical of my Michigan Wolverines, I'm actually surprised that they're even in the top ten. Now I get it. You know, we have a lot of starters coming back on offense and defense. The problem lies is that, truth be told, I'm going to underestimate my team. I'm going to overrate them. I've said this before. I've had discussions with people like this in the past. I'm coming to grips with reality, not from just an analyst standpoint, but as a fan perspective that truth be told low-key Michigan the the Michigan Wolverines 
football program is just a good program, right? Get 10, 11 wins every season. Can beat damn near everyone and anyone in the country. Any team that's not named Clemson, Bama, Georgia, or Ohio State, right? So the thing is... (laughs) If you're not one of those four teams, then, man, you, you're you junk, basically. And I'm sick and tired of, you know, the t- the stereotypical Michigan fans, for people that are listening in, the stereotypical Michigan fans constantly have excuses year, year in and year out. Oh, if it would have went this way. It's like, man, stop. I'm sick and tired of it. Jim Harbaugh is 0-4 against Ohio State. Ohio State has owned us. For the past damn near, <laughs> for almost two decades, probably uh, probably more like fifteen years. Um, and then it's just people keep living in the past, man. The last national title was '97, and we tied with Nebraska, I think it was that year, or Washington or whoever. There was nonetheless, it was a national title. We won it, but we tied with someone. You don't want to tie. Come on now. But either way, um, being a realist as I am, you know, we'll, we'll get a 10-11 win season. I got to look at the schedule still, but <laughs> it's just Michigan, man. It's just, you know, we, we start the season, we lost to Notre Dame. We played like absolute garbage. Um, and I think... As granted, like, you know, Notre Dame beat us low-key. I think a lot of Notre Dame fans got to come to grips with this as well. Is that Michigan and Notre Dame, as hardcore and dedicated fans as we are, me being a realist, we got to stop living in the past. I mean, Notre Dame's last title was, national title was 88. Ours was 97. And we haven't been relevant since. Everyone else has been kicking ass, taking names. Texas, USC, Georgia, uh, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State. But we haven't been relevant since the 90s and Notre Dame since the late 80s. So, man, we... <laughs> either way, we're just good programs. I'm not, I'm not diminishing Notre Dame. They're, they're, they're a great program too, but they're just a good program as well. Just like Michigan. I think, I truly believe, I don't know what Michigan has to do, but I don't know if it's recruiting. I, here's one of the things I do think they should do, is that Jim Harbaugh needs to stop living on this grinding the ball out, running up the gut, this and that, the whole Bill Schembechler era. As, as important and as you know, devastating as it was back during that era, it doesn't work anymore. You know what I mean? Look at the other programs, Ohio State or Alabama. Alabama won a national title with a backup quarterback, for God's sake. <laughs> I mean, it, the era is about, uh, all about the mobility of your quarterback. Trevor Lawrence, he's a sophomore. He tore up Alabama in the national title game as a freshman. That's what we need. But guys like Wilton Spate, <laughs> not going to get the job done. Guys like Shea Patterson, not going to, you know, not going to move out the pocket like that. Now, truth be told, I'm not dissing on them. I'm not saying they're not good quarterbacks. They'll get the job done to a certain extent. But to rely on them to take on defenses like Georgia or Bama or Ohio State, that that shit ain't going to fly. Same thing with Notre Dame. You know, they, they got some kinks to work out, and I truly believe to help elevate their stock come college football, it's time for them to really seriously consider considering of joining a conference. Think about joining the Big Ten. I'm, ser- I'm, <laughs> I'm serious, man. Notre Dame's got to join the Big Ten. It makes sense. Y'all are in the Midwest. It makes sense to elevate your stock a little bit more. Truth be told... Yes, they went undefeated last season. <clears throat> Respectfully so. They should have got, you know, a playoff bid. But, man, it just shows the level of competition between Notre Dame and Michigan. I think it's just, you know, when they 
Last season, that playoff game, good God, man. It's just Notre Dame was even close. And truth be told, low-key, Notre Dame had a couple scares last season as well. They struggled against teams like Ball State and whatnot. Again, I'm not disregarding what they have done, but it's just, man, it's just, I think it's time for Notre Dame to consider um, joining a conference, nonetheless. Oh, man, but, give me one second here. But, as I said before, uh, not to sound like a broken record, it's just, uh, after what what came to reality, what brought me down to earth was, uh, you know, was the Ohio State game. When, um, when Ohio State beat us like they did, (laughs) they, I mean, Ohio State... We, I really thought that that was Michigan's year. It was our year last year to win it all. And then we went into the horse, uh, you know, we, we went into Ohio State. And they 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 beat the brakes out of us. Like, they, they beat, <laughs> Ohio State beat Michigan like we stole something, basically. That's, that's basically what happened. And it's just, man, it's just the year after year of constantly getting your ass kicked Against Ohio State, it's like Jim, Jim Harbaugh, get your shit together. Like man, it, no more excuses. Like you're the guy, you're you're one of the highest paid college football coaches, and we're only going two and two against Michigan State, zero and four against Ohio State, and we're not even winning bowl games. Like come on, dude. And it's just I don't know. So you know there's gonna be a lot of. I don't want to say there's going to be a lot of pressure on him, but because he's done, he has, you know, for the for, for the majority part, significantly turned that program around. You know, you go from uh, after Lloyd Carr retired, you know, they I think it was the Outback Bowl or whatever it was. He retired, got Lloyd Carr after the 07 season, uh, beating the Gators, giving Tim Tebow's only bowl loss of his career. And, um, he retires, and they hand the era to Rich Rodriguez, who at the time was riding high uh, during his era, during his days at West Virginia. You know, during that uh, that Pat White era, and his option uh, was killing it. And then it was just a train wreck from there. And low key, the only the only good thing that came out of that program was you know during his recruiting days was uh, Denard Robinson and Devin Gardner. Um, other than that, you know, he didn't do much. And then Brady Holt came into the picture, started off great his first season, winning that Sugar Bowl against Virginia Tech. Like, all right, this is it. And then each season just got just got worse and worse. So I don't know, man. It's just Jim Harbaugh just needs to consider of you know looking at his playbook. Stop thinking that, you know, his the, the old school eras of both Schembechler running up the gut. It works to a certain extent, but obviously, you know, it's only working for a 10-11 win season. That's as far as it's going to get us. Losing to South Carolina 26-19 in the Outback Bowl last season. Going to end on a high note. It's just, uh, man... Uh, but either way, um, excuse me, that was a couple of years ago, I believe. <clears throat> but <clears throat> oh man! But I think, for the most part. It's it's a semi hot seat uh, for coaches like Jim Harbaugh and Coach Brian Kelly. Um, 
you know, they, they did end on a solid note. They won their bowl game. They won the Citrus Bowl. They beat LSU. But, um, excuse me. I think, you know, it's Notre Dame fans are having similar feelings as Michigan fans. Like, they want a national title. That's what Brian Kelly's supposed to do. Uh, you know, and you go undefeated. And, uh, excuse me, they won the Citrus Bowl a couple of years ago. Uh, I think the year prior to that. Uh, but <laughs> they go undefeated, right? And then they show up to AT&T Stadium, uh, the Cotton Bowl, college football semifinal, go against Clemson, you lose 30-3. to It's just like, man, not only has it got you thinking, like, I got to look at the whole entire playbook, but, man, it's just you got to look at, you know, you got to look at the film. You got to look at, at the level of competition. You got to look at every other opponent um, as to why you went undefeated, and then you come December, you face a team like Clemson, and it's just like, you know, what the hell just happened? You know what I mean? And as I said before, you know, Notre Dame, they've had a few close calls. You know, Northwestern, uh, USC, uh, Vanderbilt. <clears throat> and they, I'm not disregarding that they don't play, like, exceptional talent in schools. Obviously, they beat Michigan, you know, in their opener in Notre Dame. They beat Michigan. And... Uh, like I said, they would, you know, they kind of like, it seems like they would ride highs and lows, kind of be inconsistent. You didn't know what kind of Notre Dame team was going to show up. Barely beating Ball State and Vanderbilt. And then they'll blow out Wake Forest. And then they'll kill Stanford. So, it's just, I really, I truly believe that uh, Notre Dame should seriously consider of, uh, joining a conference. I really think not only will it help elevate their talent and their mindset of you know be trying to become a better football team, but they also have that you know they be able to become more familiar of what to expect when it comes to you know teams like Clemson or Bama. So true, you know, truth be told, I mean the Big Ten is you know it's the hardest conference. It used to be the SEC, but the Big Ten's the hardest conference now. I mean, you got Michigan State's no slouch. Ohio State's no slouch. Wisconsin can make some noise. So, but either way, I think, uh, I mean, Notre Dame just should seriously consider joining the Big Ten. Because that will help their, you know, say hypothetical, they go undefeated again this season, right? Should they deserve to make the playoffs again? Should they go into the college football semifinal? Or is the committee, you know, the college football playoff committee got to look at that and be like, I don't know. We saw this last season. They went undefeated. They didn't have to go to, you know, a conference championship game. They just, all they did was finish out their schedule because they're independent. And now, you know, it's like, okay, they face Clemson and they lost you know, they lost by 27. So I think, you know, to help elevate their argument as to why they deserve to make the playoffs, say, you know, they go undefeated and they don't, and the committee decides, you know what, we're not going to put them in this year for the playoffs. That's going to cause an uproar, right? Same thing happened to Central Florida back to back seasons. They went undefeated. So I think. If Notre Dame just be able to join a conference, help elevate their competition and give them some supporting arguments as to why they deserve to make the playoffs. As long as they, you know, they, they have to be, they have to be in a conference championship. You know, everyone has to do it. Everyone else has to do it. Notre Dame should be able to do it too. So... But as I said before, I, I I think Notre Dame and Michigan fans they're on that they're on that similar level where we're just frustrated 
that, you know, we haven't gotten a national title. Notre Dame's been lacking that since 88. Michigan has been lacking that since 97. And we need... <laughs> it's just it's becoming impatient, man. But as I said before, um, I'm not, I'm not, you know, this is no diss because we're rivals. Notre Dame and Michigan, we're just good programs. That's it. We'll get 10, 11 wins. We can beat damn near everyone. But truth be told, we know on the, you know, take, you know, paper comparison right now, you, you know, comparing to Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, you know, we're not on that level, man. And we need to figure something out. Need to figure out the kinks, go back to the playbook, you know, redesign a few things. <laughs> so. I'm not, you know, and by all means, I'm not trying to say, I'm not trying to say that Coach Brian Kelly or Jim Harbaugh are slouches. They're great, phenomenal coaches. Is it's just, you know, compared to Nick Saban, you know, <coughs> it's just uh, they're, you know, there's a reason why they got five, six titles under the belt. So either way. We gotta go back to the drawing board and decide what the hell's going on. So this could be the this could be the fifth season going on for, under Jim Harbaugh, and I believe this is uh, Brian Kelly's ninth, eight or tenth season going in. So it's gonna be we gotta go back to the the drawing board, see what kind of blueprint for Michigan and Notre Dame, see what they can do. Um, going into the season, as as I said, as I stated earlier, I'm surprised Michigan's in the top ten. I really am. They're number six, and I granted I understand that we have majority of a lot of players returning. It's still, it's just, uh, I don't know. I'm not gonna have a lot of faith in my Wolverines like I am with my Pittsburgh Steelers. Nonetheless, let's put it that way. So we'll see how things go. You know. Truth be told, I mean, looking at I'm looking at Michigan's schedule now. Actually, I mean, obviously a slouch game against Middle Tennessee, and then Army. True, look up for Army. Army finished in the top twenty-five in the first time, you know, in their school history last year. So, um, you know, they finished the top twenty-five, and they they've beat Navy for three consecutive seasons now. So they're not a slouch team. Then we got to go to Wisconsin, Madison, Wisconsin, Cap Randall. They're no joke. Like I said, Wisconsin, they're a t- they're solid squad. They're a solid team every year. Um, but either way, uh, looking at the schedule, let's see. Wow, Notre Dame. Wow, late October game. So, or no, it's not late. Uh, it's not listed as late, but uh Late, as in late October 26th, which is odd. That's usually a fall. That's early fall game, like September. So that's kind of iffy. But looking at Michigan's schedule, for the most part, few scares here and there. So probably Wisconsin, Penn State, Notre Dame, and Michigan State, and Ohio State. Those are usually the ones that kind of make you nervous. But low key, I mean, I th- the three significant games. It's just it's. At Penn State, then Notre Dame, then Ohio State. So, I don't know. There's, you know, and it's, and it's, you know, for that Ohio State game, it's not going to be fair because, say, Michigan wins. We all know the typical excuse is, well, you know, Urban Meyer isn't there anymore. And that's going to be the excuse for every Ohio State fan. So, and I, I wanted Urban Meyer to stay just for that sole reason. I, and, and I wanted Harbaugh to have to achieve that that he can beat Urban Meyer. But unfortunately, we'll never see that now. And as for Notre Dame, well, let's see. They got Louisville. That's solid. They got New Mexico at Georgia. That's, wow, at Georgia. So looking at their schedule, I mean, let's see here. Probably at Stanford, Vatech, Michigan, 
and Georgia, those are probably the four games that, you know, as a Notre Dame fan, if I was a Notre Dame fan, those are the ones to be iffy about. Navy sometimes can be a worrisome. They can usually put up a fight against uh, Notre Dame. Sometimes USC, but USC's, we all know USC, USC isn't exactly the Pete Carroll era. But either way, you know what? It's it for college football. It's not something to hold my breath for and hope Michigan, you know, again, like, oh, this is our year. As I said before, and I'll say it again, for teams like Michigan and Notre Dame, us fans need to stop living in the past. This ain't 88 or 97. We're just good football programs, and we'll see how the season develops less than 50 days until kickoff. But with that being said, uh, that's the final segment of the day. I appreciate everyone listening in. This is Engine Reserve Podcast, and I will talk to you all later. God bless.